really got right to the bottom of 30 of 35b yesterday right and we were in the middle of discussing the idea of when when do we say that we assume that the item is no longer um ritually pure when do we say we assume that it is right so uh, where do we get right so we said that the case was over there um we're talking about where there were two groups of witnesses and one of them says that it became ritually impure uh, while it was still daytime you know on friday afternoon and one of them says it does not become ritually impure until nightfall and rashi explained what the machlekas is do we look at it as being since there are two different opinions then we go with the suffix daraisa or do we say that since there is or what was the other possibility? Um, uh, so Rabbi said that we look at the truma as if it stays in its original chazaka, and therefore the, the halacha follows as if it is still going to be truma kahira. Sorry, it's not as well set up inside because I had never I've been doing it inside lately, but it just got too smoky, so I can't do it outside anymore. Hopefully, that will be better. Okay. Um, ah, sorry, guys. Better. Okay. So, okay, fine. So, so that that was that machlekas that we finished off yesterday. So now we're going to go to the top of of thirty six a. Rava Amar, Hasam Trey Chazki Lekula. In the case of where you touch the body in the middle of the night, there are two different chazakas to be lenient for. What are the two different chazakas? Um, and over here, over here, there's only one chazaka for which to be lenient on. So, Zak Rashi, Rava Amar, Gabi Nagaba Echad, Nami Afilu Yeshnekiti, Edim, Kalukas, Achas Emeris, Kaidim, Shinagaba Mes, Achas Emeris, Achsham Mes, Avinami Remeir, Matahara, Filohaki, Lake What is that? It's basically like this. We assume that since the body was alive the night before, we assume that it died at the latest possible moment. In addition, we have a chazaka that the individual who touched it was in a state of ritual purity before he touched it. So we should assume that he remains in a state of ritual purity as long as possible. But over here, we only have one chazaka. Over here, the chazaka is that we assume that the truma was in a state of ritual purity. And then at some point, it changes from that state. Well, then we have witnesses testifying that it changed. Okay. Since it's only one, it's only one state of ritual purity, then maybe indeed we should be more stringent when it is one, one chazaka to be lenient and not two chazakas to be lenient. Kasha derbiyesi derbiyesi. There seems to be a contradiction between the two two rulings of derbiyesi, two sakim of derbiyesi. Because in in the case of mikvayas, where somebody goes to sleep and touches a body, and then in the morning he finds the dead body is dead, the body is dead. He says that you have to be stringent, and we treat it as if the man who touched it is Tame, even though it's really a case of, of uh, doubt, really, right? But over here, in our Mishnah, he says that when it comes to an Eruv, if we're not sure when the Truma became Tame or Tar, he says you're allowed to be lenient. In the case of Mikvayas, where it's a question of Tuma, since the main principle of Tuma is a Torah prohibition, so therefore, the, the halacha is going to be, we're going to be extra stringent. And even though there are two different reasons, two different presumptions that would say that you should be lenient, since the main laws of Tumah are Torah-based laws, therefore we are going to be stringent, right? So the Gemara says, what do you mean? If that's true, that's not just true by Tumah, 
then if you go to Shabbos, you go to the case of Shabbos, right? And we're talking about Shabbos right now, Erev is Shabbos, right? Shabbos nami deraisahi. The main laws of Shabbos are really based on, on, on uh, a Torah-based laws, right? So why would you be lenient by something which is the basis is in a Torah law and not be lenient by something which basis is in a rabbinic law? I'm sorry. And if you're telling me that you're always going to be stringent whenever the basis is in a Torah law, you should also be stringent by the Shabbos question, which basis is in Torah law. So why is it that Rabbi is lenient by Shabbos? Gemara says, and I'll tell you why. The entire proposition of Tchumen, of saying that you cannot travel more than 2,000 Amas away from your city, that is only a prohibition on a rabbinic level. The concept of Shabbos being prohibited, having prohibitions on it, that's the Raisa. But the concept of the 2,000 Amas distance is not permitted to travel past that, that's only the Rabbanan. And therefore, that's why he's lenient by Tchumen, even though he is stringent by Mikvayas. Bayes name another answer. Hadideh Hadarabe. One time, he's stating the opinion of his teacher. One time, he's stating his own opinion. When it says that you should be stringent in, in the case of, of doubtful in regards to a rabbinic question, that's his opinion. When does he say that you should be lenient in our Mishnah? That's the opinion of his teacher, right? Of his Rebbe. Dekin, I mean, I'll bring you a proof from the a careful reading of the Mishnah will also prove this. How do you know? Dekin, I mean, I'll bring you a proof. Dekani. As we learn in our Mishnah, we read in our Mishnah. Amr Rabbi Yes, he says, Avtomus said over, testified in the name of five elders. That something which is a doubtful Erev is kosher. It's going to be in a state of ritual. It's going to be something which is, you're not sure when the Erev became ritually the truma. When did it become ritually impure? Did it become ritually impure before Shabbos began and therefore not valid Erev? Or did it become ritually impure after Shabbos began and therefore valid Erev? So he said, Allah is that it is a valid Erev. Maybe that's only Rabbi Yassi quoting Avtomus in the name of others. Rabbi Yassi himself would say that even over there, you, you got to be stringent because Rabbi Yassi is more stringent. Shmamina. This is indeed a careful reading proves like the, uh, this answer in Rabbi Yassi's opinion. How to reconcile the contradiction. Ravam, Rav says, Hasam hainu time with Rabbi Yassi. Over there, the reason for Rabbi Yassi in the case of Megvayas, where the person touched the body and then in the morning he sees the body is dead. What's the reason why Rabbi Yassi is stringent? I'm sorry, is lenient. Hamid tome al So he says, I'm sorry, it is, um, one second. Right, so BAC is Matame over there in the case of McBites, right? So what happens over there? What we say is, we assume that the person who is in a state of Toma remains in a state of Toma. And we're going to say that he didn't, may not have actually gone into the mikvah properly, right? In the case of where the person was Tame and he went to a mikvah, but it's unclear if he went to the mikvah that had 40, Saw the mikvah didn't have 40 saw. It's unclear if he went to, if he even went to the mikvah or not. It's unclear if there are two different mikvahs. One was good, one wasn't good. It's unclear which one he went to. In all those cases, he basically says you are still coming. So the Gemara says, Rather, what we should say is instead of working with the presumption that the individual did not have a chance to go to the mikvah, rather say, work with the, assume that the mikvah stays in its status of, of uh, the presumptive status of being a good mikvah. And therefore, we should assume that it is not missing any of its necessary required value. The mikvah shali nimdad. The case is a case where the mikvah had never been measured prior. If the mikvah had been measured previously, and the mikvah actually measured up to 40 sa, and then the question is, does it still have 40 sa? Then indeed, we would rely on the fact that previously it had been measured and had 40 sa. If the mikvah was never measured previously, you cannot rely on a presumption that it still has that. There was never a presumption established. It was never measured previously. Tanya, we learned in advice. When did Rabbi say that a Eruv, which is a doubtful Eruv, is kasher to get Eruv? Eruv, which Eruv, if you made an Eruv using Truma, it's a question if it became Tameh, 
well, while it was still daytime, it's a question if it became Tame after nightfall. The Chaymah Paris, and so too with fruits. Safik mi It's a question if these fruits, which are Tevel, right? Tevel of fruits means they had not yet had their Chumas and Maisus removed from them. It's a Safik when they became no longer Tevel. Safik mi nisaknu. It's a Safik if they were actually fixed. In other words, Chumas and Maisus were taken off before nightfall, in which case it's going to be good Eruv. Or perhaps it was only made into a, a good Eruv by dint of becoming no longer Tevel, but the Chumas and Maisus being removed from it. Maybe that only happened after nightfall, then it's not going to be a good Eruv. Zeh was Safik Eruv Kasher. That's a case of where there's a doubt when it occurred, we're going to say it's going to be a Kasher Eruv. You made an Eruv Chuma. And there's a doubt whether or not that Chuma is Tahar, whether or not that Chuma is Tameh. The chaim of Paris, Suffolk Nisaknu, Suffolk Lay Nisaknu, ain't a Suffolk Eruv Kasher. Or if you have a bunch of fruits and you're not sure if they were ever Nisaknu, if they were ever taken off, then it's going to be the Eruv, a Suffolk about an Eruv that is not Kasher. So basically, in the first two cases, you did an Eruv with Truma, and it's unclear when the Truma became Tame, right? So it, that, that's one case. Did it become Tame before or after? Or you have fruits, and the, the truma and mysis were taken off of those fruits, rendering them chulin, but it's unclear when they were taken off. That's a case of a doubt in which we, we rule that it is kasher. But a case of where you did it with truma, and it's unclear if the truma is tahar, unclear if the truma is tame. Or if you have fruits, and it's unclear if they were ever made properly, you know, taking the truma and mysis off at all, then indeed we pass in that it is um, puzzle. Why is it that when it comes to the truma that we say that if you're not sure when the truma was taken, we say that you're allowed to assume that the truma, I'm sorry, not, not sure when the truma became tamay, you're allowed to assume that the truma was tahor, was ritually pure when Shabbos began and therefore is a kasher eruv. Why is that so? Because you can assume that the truma continues in its presumed status. Its presumed status was in a state of ritual purity. Assume that that continues. And therefore you could say that it's tahor. Well, if so, when you have a case of Tevel, Tevel is forbidden to be eaten. It's forbidden to be eaten. It's not going to be a valid Eruv. You're not sure when the Chumas the and Mises were taken off of that Tevel. Right? So we should say, continue in its state, in its presumptive state. Its presumptive state was one of which, since it's Tevel, it's not a valid Eruv. Well, if since it's Tevel, it's not a valid Eruv, assume that it continues to its latest possible moment, and the tevel should not be permitted to work as your Eruv if you're not sure when it became truma, when it became chulin, tevel, at, from which the chumas and isis have been removed. So don't read it that the cases where the doubt came up, when did the, when did the chumas and isis get taken off from it? So rather read like this. The case of the mission is, the, the, the case of that we're dealing with is a doubt. When did they become mixed up with other with other um, tevel, and then you're not sure what the halacha is, right? So when did it become mixed up? Did it become mixed up beforehand or afterwards? So in other words, before shkia, the presumptive state was that it actually was permitted to be used, right? And then at some point or other, we don't know when it became prohibited to use. Well, if the prohibition to use it came after shkia, then it's still going to be good eruv, because as we learned in the mission at the beginning of the parak, as long as you have it in a state of ritual purity at the time when the mikvah, when the when the eruv gets created, and that's sufficient. So over here, what you have is it is definitely a good eruv, but then it became an unpermiss, it became an eruv that's not good. The question is, when did that happen? So over there, perhaps then we could assume that the presumption is that it was still in the good state when shkia came in, 
or when when when, when yeah when Bein Hashemashus began, and then that would be enough. You have in front of you two loaves of bread. What type of loaf of bread? These are truma loaves of bread. One of them is in a state of ritual purity, one in a state of ritual impurity. And he tells someone to go make an air with the one that is tahar. Wherever that tahar loaf is, make me an air with that. What's the halacha? Right? The question can be asked according to the mayor. The question can be asked according to the mayor. When did the mayor say that it does not work? Awesome. The lack of the only over there, that there was nothing that was definitely tahor, right? Because the suffix was the truma tahor before, before Bain Hashemashis began. Hacha, over here, indeed, one of these two loaves is tahor. We just don't know which one is the tahor one. So maybe over here it's different. Maybe even our mayor would permit you to rely on this air because one of these two loaves is tar. We just don't know which one. In the other case, it could be that everything, that the entire thing was tame before Shabbos began and then it's not relevant at all. Or maybe we could go the other way and say, I feel even according to Rebiesi, like Amar al Hassam. Even Rebiesi says that it's tar, it's, it's ritually pure. He only says that over there. Why? Because if we assume that it is Tahira, it's in a state of ritual purity, then Yadala, then the man would know where it is. But over here, you have no idea. You have no idea. You're never going to be able to find out which one of these two loaves of bread is, is ritually pure. So in a case where you have a, a, a the truma item, and before Shabbos, it may have become Tame. It may not have become Tame until after Shabbos began, right? So, okay, fine. You know exactly where it is, right? You know what, what, the, what the question that you're dealing with is. But when it comes to two loaves of bread, one of them is coming, one of them is tahor, how are you ever going to discern which one is which? Amrle, so he says to him, whether according to VAC, whether according to the mayor, you're going to need to have a meal that is able to be eaten while it is still day. And it's not going to work, right? Because Veleka, and, and therefore there isn't. Right. So what, what are we referring to here? Then in the case of our Mishnah, at least it's a case of when it was daytime, the mikvah, not the mikvah, the Erev was indeed a good Erev. However, in the case of where we have two loaves of bread, one of them is truma, one of them isn't truma. You got it mixed up while it's still daytime. And due to the fact that you're uncertain which one is truma, which one isn't, you're not allowed to eat either of them. So this is not going to be a comparable case to a case where, where at least at a certain point in time was permitted to be eaten. Let's say somebody says on Friday afternoon, today it should be considered to be chulin, right? Food that is not uh, holy food. Tomorrow it should be considered holy food, right? And he says, but make an error for me with this loaf of bread. So he says like this, right? It's a good error, right? So even though at the time when Shabbos begins, the error is indeed food that you can eat, but tomorrow it's not going to be food that you can eat. So he says like this, that, that's going to be a good error. Uh, let's say that today it should be holy and tomorrow it should not be holy. Uh, what does it mean it's not going to be holy tomorrow? You're going to be redeeming it onto regular money tomorrow. And then you say, make an air for me with this. What's the reason? What's the difference in He says, if you, if you uh, wait for me, um, a, a kura, a weight, uh, you know, a core, Worth of salt, and I'll tell you the answer. Right? This is a Gemara. The Gemara tells us this. No, the Gemara tells us this often that the way it works is that oftentimes an Amira will say to a different Amira, 
if you do a service for me, then I will give you the answer, right? And the, the, the famous Rishim and Shikap that goes through this, not for right now, famous Rishim and Shikap goes through exactly what that means, why the Amira needs to ask another Amira to do an action before he tells him the answer. If you have cases where you said today it should be whole, today it should be halt, today it should be unconsecrated, tomorrow it should be Kedish, consecrated. So, so the, it, since it's a, a question over here, it's a doubt over here, then the, in this status of doubt, the Kedusha, the holiness, is not going to come onto it. However, if you say that today it is consecrated and tomorrow it's going to be unconsecrated, from the a case of Suffolk, the Kedusha, the, the sanctity, is not going to lift from it in a case of Suffolk. Not us, we learned in a mission over there. Login, full yaim. If you fill a, what's a login? Zach Rashi. So what happens is like this. You log in full yoim. Shemalu min hachabas shal meiser tavel. You have a, a login that a full yoim, right? Um, I guess the, I think it means that the login itself was a full yoim, right? So the login, the, the um, some sort of a, a flask, I guess, right? is a full yam, it's a state of ritual impurity and it's gonna become ritually pure tonight. Now, the, it's already gone to the mikvah, but it has to wait for night possible, right? Now, at this state in time, it's going to make truma ritually impure, but anything else it will not be able to render ritually impure. So you filled it with a, a chavis, from, I'm sorry, from a chavis of meiser tevel. From a chavis, which is meiser tevel, in other words, that it was, it was, um, Meiser Rishon that you gave to the lady, but he did not yet give the truma to the Kayin. So it's in a state of, of, uh, of cold tabal, mixed in the truma and the Meiser. And, and nobody can eat it yet, right? But I'm right, and he says about this. He says about this that the, the, the Lagan should become Truma's Meiser, should become the, the truma, the portion that goes to the Kayin from the Meiser of the barrel that went to the lady, after nightfall. Why does he have to wait till after nightfall? Because only after nightfall will the lugin become no longer able to render truma ritually impure. The words that he says are going to be are going to be standing or you know fulfilled. But if he says that the air should be with, for me with this, then it's not a good air. Because when it is when it is the item is the, the item that is holding would render something ritually impure. So you can't say that the item that is holding the, the liquid is going to is going to now be a valid air. It can't be a valid air. It made the food ritually impure at, at twilight because until nightfall comes and the item leaves its state of ritual impurity, right? Because as we said, you put it in the mikvah, but it still takes until after nightfall for it to become ritually pure. So since it cannot actually service us as a as an eruv, finish much this time, it's not going to help at all. Amarava, the Rava says this. This is what we mean to say. When we talk about what point in time the Erev works, so Saifayem, the beginning of, Rashi says, the beginning of Benashmashas, that is the end of the daytime, okay? So the very beginning of Twilight Zone, that's when the time period that the Erev has to be valid Erev. These Sagadaitakas, if you thought to say Tchilasyem Erev, that the beginning of Shabbos is the time that the Erev needs to be good Erev, what does the beginning of Shabbos mean? It means right at the end of Bein right at the beginning of nightfall, right, of Tzitzak Duchav, when the stars come out. 
if you thought that's what's necessary, if you said make an Eruvim with this, why isn't it a good Eruv? In other words, since if the, if the, we're trying to define, we know that at a certain point in time, the Eruv has to be a valid Eruv. And we know that at a certain point in time, it no longer has to be valid. Once it's been valid at an earlier point in time. What point in time is that? It must be that it needs to be a valid Eruv at the beginning of Bain Because if it needed to be a valid Eruv at the end of Bain right? then indeed at the end of Bain at the beginning of Shabbos, the, the Lugin has actually reached a state of ritual purity. Well, if the Lugin reached a state of ritual purity, the Trumas Meister that is contained within it is indeed able to become Truma. If it's able to become Truma, then it could be a good ritual, it could be a good Eruv, because at least the Kayan could eat it now. So it must be that the time period that is necessary for the Eruv to be valid must be at the beginning of Banish and not at the beginning of Shabbos, the beginning of Tesek Tuchab. Amar Papa, Papa says, Even if you say, even if you say that the beginning of the day is when the uh, beginning of Shabbos is when the Eruv is actually uh, the time period when the Eruv is going to satisfy its requirement of being an Eruv. You need to have that the Eruv is made with an item that is a, a food that can sat, can be used for a meal while it is still daytime. And that you're not going to have over here. Because while it is still daytime, there's no doubt that the items within the, the lagun are completely still pebble because it's mixed in. Truma, the truma that is supposed to be going from the Mycerician is still mixed in over here and therefore it's not valid. Okay. Uh, that detour to, to truma is going to be not so, without that detour to truma. Now. Yeah, go ahead. So they haven't established when, uh, what kind of the air, the Sofa Yoim or Tilosa Yoim. That has yeah, not been not. established. They did not establish it. Let me see if Paisvis tells us what Allah is. Uh, no, no, it does not say. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. I don't remember offhand what when exactly the the. I don't remember what the halacha is. And by the way, ma- making a trum, making an air of trumin is, is a very complicated case, and we're going to go through a lot of the mishnayos and, and the gemaras that talk about this. But nobody should ever try to make an air of trumin without uh, speaking to a a rub. I remember one time uh, when I was a kid, not kid. I mean, I was I was past high school. I think I'm still a kid now. That's how I think it. Certainly not voting for the 16-year-olds to be able to vote now, that's for sure. Um, so when I was, um, we went away on a trip to Wyoming, to Big Sky, uh, but not Wyoming, actually Montana, that's where we were for Shabbos, Big Sky, Montana. And we were nine people. And there was another guy who was, we were a bunch of friends, you know, guy Bachram. And there was a guy who was married, who was staying, uh, you know, about two miles away from us. And there wasn't really a way for us to travel. There was no, it wasn't part of a town. It was like in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. And what we did is we went before Shabbos and we made an area of Tumen with a bunch of challah rolls to allow us to make a minion together. But um, it was too late to call people on the East Coast. We didn't know anybody on the West Coast. And we're like, oh yeah, I think this works. And uh, <laughs> turns out it didn't work at all. Uh, but it, whatever, it was what it was, you know. Uh, what do you so mean it didn't work out? You got smited well, in the middle of Shabbos or afterwards oh, you realized you were... Afterwards, we, realized, we, we mentioned that we were like very proud of ourselves. Oh, we made an Arab so we could walk for a minion. And everybody was like, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. That's not an Arab. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we didn't put it in the right place. Like, it wasn't guarded. Like, there, there are a couple of reasons it just was not. It just didn't work at all. The, the okay. proper word is smitten, Elliot, not smite. Smitten. Yeah. Okay. And there you have it. They don't teach that in engineering school, English language. They probably don't teach that in English language. These, these days, they don't teach English language in any school. 
you want to go to the school of belonging and othering, there is a school for that in Berkeley. Okay. Exactly. Uh, Mishnah, new Mishnah. If someone can make a condition when it comes to his Erev, what's the condition? If Amar, and he says like this. Fascinating thing. What he does is like this. He takes two Eruvin, and he takes one Erev Tchum, and he puts it on 2,000 Amas to the east side of the city. He takes another Erev Tchum, and puts it 2,000 Amas to the west side of the city. Right? And then what he does, he says like this. If those non-Jews who are coming to attack the city, if they come from the east, my Erev is going to be on the west. Right? I guess not to attack the east, right? I'm sorry, I don't think it means to attack the city, because if it's a level of Sakhanis Nefashis, right, you know, where the lives are at risk, obviously it's going to be different. I guess it's some level of, uh, you know, monetary concern. Uh, let me see Rashi. Rashi does say Lebreach. Rashi says to run away from them. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm just pointing out, that does not mean that you're actually afraid for your life. If you're afraid for life, then, then all bets are off, and you're allowed to go without the fear of Kuhlman at all. Okay, but fine. So, Arch scroll says tax collector. That makes a lot more sense, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you are afraid of the tax collector. You're going to get audited, and it's not going to end well. So <laughs> you see, the, the, they're coming from the east, and you're going to want to run to the west. If they're coming from the west, you're going to want to run to the east. Right? Okay. So what you do is you put these two Erevin, one to the east, one to the west. And you say, if they come from the east, then my Erev is really to the west. That gives me an additional 2,000 Amas to the east, to the west, right? And if they come, to the, um, if they come from the west, then my, the Erev to the east will become uh, operational, and then I'll have 2,000 Amas extra going to the east. Uh, yeah, I think I said that right. Okay. In both directions, then I'm going to go to whichever direction I deem to be the proper way to jump into the river and run away from the bloodhounds. Let's say they don't come from either direction. Then I'll just be regular default status. I'm going to be the regular member of the city. I'm able to go 2,000 Amas in either direction, not limited to 2,000 Amas past the outskirts of the town in one direction. In Bachacham, now we go to a little bit of a happier circumstance. If a sage of a wise man comes to the city, Mena Mizrach from the east, Eruvi the Mizrach, then my Erev is going to be in the east. Mena Mairuv, Eruvi the Mairuv. If he comes from the west, my Erev is going to be in the west. In other words, now instead of running away, right, he's running towards. Balakan Alakan, if he's coming, let's say he comes from either direction, then I'm going to choose which one I want to go to. There's no wise person coming from either direction. I'm going to be like the regular members of the city and I'm allowed to go both directions. Both of these Erevin will be non-valid Erevin. If one of these two rabbis coming from opposite directions is his Rebbe, is his teacher. Of course, it's understood that he meant to go to his teacher. Right? So if somebody makes an Erev without speaking out what he intends to do, if one of the two teachers coming, one of the two Rebbeim coming are his personal Rebbe, it's still understood that he obviously would have wanted to do this if he knew. Let's say both these people are his teachers. And he's, once again, he has the ability to go whichever direction he chooses to go in. When Yitzchak was coming, where is Yitzchak coming from? Uh, Dr. Ashi? No, Rashi. Okay. Eretz Yisrael to Babylonia. Eretz Yisrael to Babylonia. Okay. Okay, sounds good. So he said our Mishnah over the opposite way. Right? So what, is, what does this mean? This is the opposite. He says, he says, for whatever reason, I guess we'll see in the Gemara, that basically he sees the sage coming from one direction, he runs to the other direction. He sees the non-Jews coming from one direction, he runs to them. Gemara says, Kasha nachem. The first of all is a contradiction between the statements of our Mishnah and his Mishnah in terms of the 
the way that we perceive the, the nature of the relationship between the non-Jews. There's also a question between the two of them in terms of the nature of the relationship between a rabbi. Do you run away from the rabbi? Or do you run through the rabbi? Do you like him? Or do you not like him? Beautiful. Clearly you run away. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at least some people this might is, suggest that. This, this is, this is uh, uh, what is it? Humor? Stand up comedy in the Gemara? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, the question from, from non-Jews to non-Jews, that's not a question. Ha bipara. Ha bipara gabna. What's par? Is that, is that one word or two words? Because Rashi has this one word. Gabahem mas. When do we say you're running away from the non-Jews? When, when he's the gabahem mas. He's the tax collector, right? The tax man, right? As, as, the, as the famous song goes, right? You run away from the tax man. Ha Mare de Masa. When do you say you go to them? That's the Mare de Masa. That's the the Tzarech who Lefayas Eilitzay. For whatever reason, you need to go petition the masters of the city, and therefore you're going to go towards them. Chacham Chacham Leikasha. Haba Meisipirke Ha Bimikri Shema. What's the difference between the two of them? Right. So here we go. This is the answer. This is why it's not so such a comedic relief. One of them is the guy who's coming. The 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 big Darshan, right? Yeah, Pesach Kron coming to town. You have uh, I don't know who's the the big uh, Y Y Jacobson is coming to town. Rabbi, Rabbi Lord, uh, Rabbi Lord uh, Jonathan Sachs is coming to town. Everybody's coming to hear him. Rabbi Lord oh. Doctor. Rabbi, Rabbi yeah, Lord. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. Okay. Yeah. He's coming to town. We want to go hear him. However, then you have the guys, the Mikri Shema. Who's the Mikri Shema? It's like Rashi. The person who teaches the kids. Yeah, the, the kindergarten teacher. He's coming to town. <laughs> He's not really interested. To, uh, to, I guess the, I'm not sure what the, what the concern is. Like, why do you have to run away from him? But I guess the <laughs> in those days. Um, they ran away from them. Okay, fine, very good. So that is the difference. Rehuda says, if one of the two Rebbeim coming is your Rebbe, then that's the one who we understand that that's the one you wanted to go to. Why did the Chacham argue? They say that even if one of them is your Rebbe, you still assume that you have the ability of the free will to choose which one you wanted to go to. Sometimes, for whatever reason, you're more interested in hanging out with the one who is not your Rebbe, but someone maybe more of a, a teacher colleague. You're more interested in hanging out with that one than you are in going to the Rebbe for whatever reason, right? We're not trying to define exactly why that is. We're just saying that it's not always true that everybody always wants to go to the Rebbe. Sometimes they're just not in the mood for whatever reason. Sometimes you want to avoid some Musar, no? What are you going to do? It could be, yeah, exactly. It's Elo and, and you heard enough already. Or maybe it's yeah. Elo and you want to hear it. I'm a Rav. Rav says, Lesa Limas Nisan, right? So what does this mean? Um, okay, so basically like this. No, very, okay. This is a famous question, very difficult question to understand, a very philosophical issue. It's a concept called Brera, okay? So what, what is Brera? Brera means that the way you determine something takes place later that will, that's not a good way to explain it. I'm just trying to think of a, of a case of a Brera case. Basically, what you did is you said when Shabbos began, you put an Erev down in, in one area to your west, one area to the east. And you said one of these two Erevans should be a proper Erev. Now, you did not know when you put that Erev down which direction your teacher is going to come in, right? Now, the teacher ended up coming in in one direction, right? On Shabbos itself, there was no way for you to know before Shabbos. And that's now going to define what the intention was when you put the Erev, not what the intention is, excuse me, what the validity is of the Erev. Was the validity to the east or the validity to the west? Which is a little bit funny. When you put it down, you have no idea which way it's going to come from, right? 
But that's called the concept of Brera, that through something taking place later that will redefine what took place earlier. Okay, so what does this mean? Amrav, less lemas nisan, me the tani aye. From that which aye said, the tanya. We learned the tani aye, because aye taught, of you adam masna al You cannot make two different conditions in, in the two different, uh, not, sorry, two conditions in the same thing at the same time. Rather, you're going to have to say is that if the Chacham comes to the east, the Erev is going to be in the east. If he comes to the west, the Erev is going to be in the west. But you, if the guy says, if the guy says, if he comes from either way, it's going to work in either way, that doesn't make any sense. right? Because if you make one Erev and say, not make one Erev, if you make two Erev, but you say at the same time, my Erev is either to the west or to the east, that doesn't make any sense. That cannot be redefined later as to where the Arab was intended to be. But if you say, when Shabbos begins, I want my Arab to be to the west if he comes to the west, then you say separately, I want my Arab to be to the east if he came to the east, then that could work. Basically, if I, sorry, if I understand correctly, what we're saying is you need to pick something. There needs to be some certainty. You can't uh, uh, continue in the state of uncertainty. Like when you make these knives, uh, Right, these conditions, you have to take some reality. You can't maintain the uncertainty forever. Um, is that what we're saying? I, I, um, I don't think prayer is really the right topic to do in that, Jamie. Um, okay. Fine. Yeah, we, so we, yeah, in theory, we could spend time on it, but it's not, it's, it's a big okay. topic, it's a complicated topic. Um, but for whatever reason, what we're saying is, is that this is more, this more slots into the concept of prayer. If it slots into the concept of prayer, we have a problem. Okay. Why is it that when you say at the same time, well, it's going to be, I have an Arab in both places, and depending on whichever way he comes from, then that's going to work. Why is that not going to work? The Brera, because there's no such thing as Brera, right? The, 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 the choice that you have to make is not going to be defined by the choice that you made tomorrow. That's not going to redefine what choice you would have made previously. It doesn't help, right? The choice you would have made previously is the choice you would have made previously. The fact that you made a choice later, that is not going to help you sort of redefine which Erev was the proper Erev and Erev Shabbos. Right? So if that's true, so what the Mizrach of what difference does it make? So I put an Erev down on the east and I put an Erev down on the west and I say, if the one sage comes from the east, it's good. If the one sage comes from the west, it's good. What do you mean? That's the same thing. That's also Brera. When Shabbos came in, you didn't know which direction he's coming from. So how does that help matters? That, oh, well, this is not the same thing because this is not two different sages. Okay, but when you put it down, you are basically relying on the fact that you are not aware at the time when Shabbos came in which direction he's coming from. Why is that any better? I'm Rabbi Yechon, Rabbi Yechon, it says, Rabbi Yechon says the case is like this, where the Chacham was actually within the Chum, not, not within the actual, uh, one second, I don't think within the actual Chum, let me just check Rashi. Um... Basically, like this the Chacham was indeed within the 2000 Amas of the towards the east that your Erev was going to grant you an extension. You just didn't know that. So, in a case like that, since the, the facts, what, what we would say is in, 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 uh, in Aramaic, we call this is klape shmaya galia. That as far as if the heavens would reveal to us 
what the, what the reality was. At that time, there was actually a reality that would have determined which way he was going to choose. It's not a reality that's going to happen in the future. When you're trying to figure out, well, which direction is the rabbi going to come from? That's a reality that only happens in the future. It's not actually true at the time that you place the Eruv down. So then you're going to have to rely on Brera. And therefore, we don't rely on Brera. I mean, not therefore. We don't rely on Brera. That's not going to be sufficient. But when it comes to a situation where, in truth, the rabbi was already within the limits, you just didn't know about that. That's not called Brera. Okay? That's a different category. Um, Adraba. So the Gemara says, yeah, go ahead. Okay, anyways, I have I have many questions here. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's, it's, it's really, you, you, yeah, you got to do that more slowly to even have a question. Really. Adarabah, it should be the opposite. So actually our Mishnah seems to, in other words, you're trying to disprove our Mishnah from the fact that Ayay has this opinion. Maybe say Ayay is wrong because our Mishnah seems to not like him. It's not likely. Because we know Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion that Brera does not work. And since we know Rabbi Yudas of the opinion that Breira doesn't work, so it's more likely to say that our Mishnah got corrupted and the Brisa is indeed correct about assuming that it is not true that when you put an Arab in two places and say whichever direction any rabbi comes, I will then choose which rabbi I wanted. Right? And that cannot be the Allah of the Mishnah. That wouldn't work. It's not always. We went to the Mishnah. If somebody buys wine from the Kusim, right, the non-Jews, he says that the two Lugan that I am going to set aside as truma from the Rashi says minhameya from the hundred lug worth of wine inside this barrel arehein truma they're going to be considered to be truma one fiftieth that's an average person thinks one fiftieth of truma asara meiserishin ten lug are going to be the meiserishin that he gives to the lady ten percent tisha meisersheni nine of them are going to be the meisersheni the second five they just bring up Yerushalayim why only nine of them because meisersheni is only taken after you've already taken the truma and the meiser you're left with eighty eight lug so only nine is 10%, right? And then, then he is allowed to, to uh, redeem the, the, the Meiser Shani onto the money that he has in his house, and he can start drinking right away. Give your opinion of Amir. If Yehuda or Shimon, say it's not going to work. Why? Because they don't hold up Brera, right? So we see that Yehuda does not hold up Brera. So if Yehuda does not hold up Brera elsewhere, it's likely to say that our Mishnah act corrupted when it was saying that Rabbi Huda does hold a Brera, and rather Rabbi Huda does not hold a Brera, and Aye is the correct opinion. Now, how do you see that? How is this related to Brera? Um, I'm just trying to figure out what the, what the Brera is. What the Brera is that is going to be taking place here. Oh, I think it's going like this. So you have a barrel of wine in front of you. You have not taken any of the wine out yet. What you're saying is that there is going to be a percentage of this wine that I'm going to take out for this, and this wine will take out for that, percentage of the wine will take out for that. But technically, there's a hundred lug in front of you. What you're going to try to do now is you're going to start drinking the wine. And as long as you get up to, as long as you leave behind 12 lug of wine, right? And not 12, I'm sorry, 21 lug of wine, two for Truma, 10 for the Meister Rishan, and nine for the Meister Shani, then you're going to be good because you left behind enough to satisfy the requirements of the Meisters and Trumas. Well, one second. That's not really true. You only left behind enough if assuming that we can rely on Brera and say that after the fact, right, after you actually ended up taking a specific measure, that was the one that you intended to take initially. But without Brera, you can't say that. Without Brera, when you take from it, you have no idea which one you're going to end up taking for the Truma and for the Meiser. So unless you rely on Brera, you're not going to be permitted to drink until you actually take off the tithe previously, right? 
And Rabbi Huda indeed says you're not allowed to drink until you take up the tithe. Rabbi Huda does not hold the Brera, and therefore our Mishnah, which is Rabbi Huda, cannot be going with Brera, and we have to reinterpret the Mishnah to, to calibrate it properly with the Brisa, and we're not talking about a case of Brera, because Rabbi Huda does not hold of Brera. Okay.